I'm Matt Swain, and you're listening to the Reimagining Communications podcast, where we discuss the opportunities and challenges facing companies on the road to optimizing their communications for the future. Today, I have Barb Pello joining me by phone. Now an independent consultant, Barb has held senior roles in sales, marketing, strategy, and business development at IBM, Infotrends, Icon Office Solutions, Kodak, and Xerox. Barb was also the chair of Integrated Publishing Sciences at Rochester Institute of Technology. Barb, thank you for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. I appreciate it. So, Barb, this podcast series focuses on the theme of reimagining communications. And if I remember correctly, one of your first jobs 40-plus years ago was at IBM selling this hot new technology to businesses across the Midwest called the personal computer. That said, you've seen communications reimagined a few times over since then, I would think. I think about the rise of digital print technology, where you were in the trenches marketing the launch of the DocuTech at Xerox. I think about increases in in version content and full one-to-one personalization in print, as well as the role of the internet in the early days of migration to e-delivery, and and then all the buzzwords that came from that, multi-channel, cross-channel, omni-channel. So you've traveled the world with your career, you've seen and influenced market advancements and networked with so many people. What has been most gratifying about your career to date? Well, first, it's pretty hard to believe that I've been working for more than 40 years. You know, it feels like just yesterday when I joined IBM as a systems engineer. I think the big gratification really comes from being a part of an industry and markets that have truly transformed. You know, I I was reflecting on this and, and, you know, if you think about it, my cell phone has more memory today than the first IBM System 370 Model 135 (laughs) that I sold. And, you know, I had an opportunity to work with clients on emerging applications when I was at IBM. Things like computer-aided designs and the first online shop floor control system. And then we sold massive numbers of PCs in the education market. Now, when I left, I went to work at Xerox, and I was the product manager on a new concept called DocuTech. And that really created a very new industry. You know, it was the first of its kind to deliver what I categorize as very high-quality, short-run print solutions to the marketplace. And I worked with a large number of both commercial printers and implants as they justified that technology and transformed their business model. And they started doing things like, you know, variable data and customization of digitally printed materials. And I think being part of industry transformations has really been the most exciting part of my life in the last 40 years. Yeah, and and, and Barbara, I think probably 10 to 12 years ago, you first brought me in to um, help at Infotrends when you were there. And and one of the first projects that you had me working on was the Transpromo Summit, where we were looking at the opportunity to include marketing content on on bills and statements. And, and at the time, full-color digital printing technology for those communications was just starting to be cost-effectively quote-unquote, good enough for marketers to be interested, yet it still took years to take off. Even now, there are plenty of large organizations with really basic, maybe even sometimes embarrassing bills and statements going out to their customers. My question to you is, are we to blame for not selling the concept well enough back then, or, or is there a different hypothesis for why these communications are where they are today? You know, Matt, when I reflect on that, I think the technology wasn't quite ready for the application. You know, solutions like Inkjet were were really just emerging on the scene. 
And there were true shortfalls in terms of the substrates that ran through those devices, the inks, the quality, and the workflows. And then there were, was the overall price of inkjet presses. And, you know, all that's changed. And I think if we look at the transaction printing market today, Transpromo has become really the single largest application running on inkjet devices. And people really are beginning to understand the value of adding that marketing message to a transaction document. And these enterprises, well, they know that those documents actually get open and read by a consumer. In fact, there are a number of different data sources that indicate that the average consumer actually looks at a transaction document for someplace between, you know, two and five minutes. And people understand that transaction documents are must read now. And especially in a world that's largely digital, they do cut through the clutter. So I think we're beginning to truly see people really adapt to that trans-promo marketplace. Yeah, and I think there are companies like American Express that has been doing marketing communications on transaction documents for a number of years, and they started with with black and white. Um, and, and then I think there are other companies that just have trouble thinking about that transaction communication as a marketing tool as well. And, and sometimes that just comes down to organizational silos. But I think what, what makes it interesting now is is there's even more pressure on organizations relative to creating consistent, personalized, and engaging communications. So what are some of the customer communications management challenges that you see organizations facing today? You know, man, I think they're, they're kind of fourfold. The first side of it is that enterprises need to make communications part of an overarching customer experience. That really aligns with how personalized they can get those, and it links to data. The other piece, and, and we're seeing this all over the place, is the need to make sure that those documents are, in fact, securely compliant. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, that they're all affordable. You know, what you're seeing is that when I think about that customer experience side of it, enterprises want to use these customer communications to support revenue generation. And what that means is that they've got a customer experience that involves personalization, and relevance, regardless of the channel that they're communicating across. And they need to be able to take advantage of every single touch point with that end consumer. And so that really is a big challenge that enterprises deal with today. And what are some of the techniques that you've seen work there? Well, you know, I think that there are a couple of, of critical elements. It's that personalization, regardless of channel. And you have to keep in mind that consumers really don't have any patience for irrelevant information. And then secondly, we're in a world where digital technology is front and center. But consumers are actually experiencing digital fatigue. And I tell folks, all I think about is how I look at my email and I go delete, 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 delete without opening those messages. And what we're seeing is that people want to give someone a tactile experience that links them to digital channels to drive the relationship. And I tell folks, you know, think about it. It's the holiday season. We've all gotten catalogs. Well, these catalogs that we're getting, they have a number of links. First, they'll link me to the website so I can place an order. 
of something that I've looked at in the catalog. Secondly, they might have QR codes that link me right to a place to order something. Or they might have augmented reality that links me to videos so I can learn more about a product. The second thing is, is truly the data side of it. And data is that key enabler of personalization. And what we're experiencing today is that, well, enterprises have more data than they've ever imagined. Their big challenge is properly harnessing that data to improve the overall experience. Mm-hmm. And so that's a, that's a big deal in terms of getting those customized communications out the door. I'm guessing, and, and I say that given the experience of Broadridge across a large number of sectors, that your clients all have, you know, tremendous data and they're trying to harness that to sell the right services to the right clients at the right time. And I do tell clients, I say, you know, you need to work with providers in today's market that really understand data and can collaborate with them on everything from segmentation to analytics. And Barb, I think one of the interesting things there is you're right that data mining is is critical to delivering a strong, unified, personalized, relevant experience. But at the same time, you look at these organizations that have so many data sets stored in different repositories. Sometimes there are even firewalls between different repositories within that organization. So I think that the challenge is getting that data unified from the start to get that single view of customer. And then from there, um, it it really becomes how do we harness all of the data that we have to uh, best deliver on that experience? Yep, absolutely, Matt. Now the third, the third big factor in all this is security. And, and you know, when I tell everybody, enterprises are struggling to balance their desire for deeper data analytics and relevant communication, and an improved customer experience, with that need for privacy and regulatory compliance. And what we're seeing is a lot of very sophisticated security breaches. You know, I tell everybody, just think about Starwood in the last few weeks. And what's gone on? I've gotten about 15 email messages from them in terms of security breaching for my account. And, you know, what we've got is you need to have, you know, security, and that's got to be balanced against heightened regulatory oversight and complex compliance requirements. And so for enterprises, as well as the providers that they work with, security and compliance has absolutely got to be a top priority. You know, if you fail to meet those state guidelines for compliance, it has serious consequences for business. You know, it can alter the company's legal status, be vulnerable to a lawsuit, as well as government agencies are in conducting audits, and they'll enact onerous fines if you're not in compliance. And, you know, lack of compliance, as we're seeing with Starwood right now, can significantly damage a brand reputation. And I think probably the last big challenge that we're working with enterprises on is cost. Let's talk about this now. Have you got any clients that don't care about cost? I look forward to meeting the first client that doesn't care about cost. Well, customer experience is is always an important piece of the discussion. It always comes with uh, an underlying point around let's make sure that that uh, that those overall costs come down. And what we're seeing. And I mean, I don't see companies like Broadridge do this with their clients all the time, is we're seeing a number of different facets for dealing with the cost issue. 
first of all, what people are trying to do is increase that paper turnoff rate. And what they're trying to do is really convince that client to use an e-statement and give up paper. And the ROI for enterprises is actually pretty clear. It costs in excess of 70, per, 70 cents per month to mail that one customer document. And those cents add up for enterprises that are focused on increasing profitability. Um, there are a number of tools out there today that can encourage email and mobile interfaces and can attack e-adoption rates. And if you think about it, even shifting a small share of your customer base away from paper delivery can provide an immediate and tangible financial benefit to the organization. The other thing we're seeing is that people want to use those communications to do more with less. Earlier, we talked about you know, the concepts around TransPromo. One of those drivers today for making TransPromo more relevant is actually cost. If I can make that communication multi-purpose and use it to convey bill information, as well as other customer communications ranging from marketing messaging to customer service information, the enterprise can save money. The last thing, and it's probably one that Broadridge likes, is there's a movement for, toward outsourcing for critical customer communications. Companies have actually learned that it's less expensive to keep up with the latest technology, as well as all the skills to deal with data, security, production, and distribution, and actually find a great partner to outsource to. In a number of instances, they really have gone to the outside to find both the skills and the resources and the expertise that can do what they can't do as well. And that expertise and that technology advantage means that it saves them actually money in the long run. And you and I have talked a lot about the, the outsourcing market, and you know, we, we do see on a per-client basis, you have continual decline in, in total print and, and mail volume for most clients. And similarly, for those that still have in-plant shops, that decline, as that accelerates, it's, it's really difficult to cost-justify having that technology um, spend in-house. Uh, you know, when they come to a capital investment decision, right. it's, it's, it, it makes a lot of sense to move toward outsourcing, especially for those companies that um, maybe are more mid-tier. They need to look like a bigger guy. They need a better, uh, better looking communication. They need access to new tools and technologies. Certainly, that storyline supports the, the move to outsourcing as well. Absolutely, Matt. You got that right. So, Barb, where are we headed in the communications landscape, look forward three, five, ten years out. How do you see the market evolving? Where where are the areas that you see an an enterprise making the most significant investments? Whether it's in data analytics, um, customer experience, or otherwise. Um, I think you know. I think there's a couple critical things, Matt. The first thing is that regardless of how you provide that customer communication, I'm going to have to be a data savvy cross media communications provider. And what happens is organizations really need to start with a deep understanding of their customer. That baby boomer has different communication requirements than a Gen Zer. And what they'll need to do is look at the demographics 
of their people, and they're going to need to have the skills and the ability to communicate the way that their customer wants to be communicated with. The other critical component is that those communications are absolutely going to be, need to be data-driven. You know, if I'm a Gen Zer, I don't open it if the supplier of that communication doesn't act like they know me. And while there's creepy personalization, there's also a level of personalization that's, that's expected in the marketplace today. And so, you know, that's also critical. And then I don't believe the market is going to be tolerant of the types of some of the security breaches that we're seeing. And I think that really will cause folks to lose clients. When you step back and you take a look at it, I really believe that this migration to outsourcing, because enterprises are going to be unable to keep up, is that they're not going to be able to do it affordably themselves, and they're going to be looking for partners that can help them get it right. One of the things that comes to mind is is GDPR and the California Data Privacy Act. I'd be curious on your thoughts relative to where you see those restrictions on use of customer data going in the future and how that affects the ability for organizations to personalize and make communications relevant. Well, I think there's a couple things that are going to happen inside of this. One is there are specific companies that you've really opted into that personal relationship with. And when you opt into that relationship with that individual, you cease to worry, I think, about the level of personalization that you use with that client. And I sit down and I say, you know, if I'm in the financial services industry or the insurance sector, I expect my provider to have all that data. I expect Morgan Stanley Smith Barney uh, account to sit down and make recommendations to me. So I, I think there's a delicate balance between where and how you get your data and the relationship between you and that customer. Yeah, great point. I, I do think there is a creepy factor, and you alluded to that, depending on the, the, the type of personalization. But I wholeheartedly agree that there is that expectation that providers are going to use the data to provide the most relevant experience and shortcut the, the clutter or circumvent the clutter. Yeah, I, I mean, we've seen uses in the marketplace that I, I would categorize as the creepy side, where they're using a product purchase and making assumptions predicated on a product purchase, which might not be for me, but for somebody else. And so I think you need to use that data carefully. I think a single point of contact isn't enough to have a personal relationship with that individual. And I can, I mean, I still have vivid memories of uh, the story where um, a young girl went in to buy a pregnancy testing kit and they sent her a plethora of data after she purchased that. And her father went berserk and it turned out she was in fact expecting. And I mean, there are those kinds of creepy personalization situations that you don't want to incur. Alternatively, there are expectations that don't border on creepy. Like I don't want if I'm getting a mail piece from Macy's to have it feature stuff from the juniors department in uh, extra small petite sizes, because that would not reflect my past purchase preferences. So I think we've got to sit down and balance the depth, the length, and that relationship over time versus a single point of data. And that keeps you away from the creepy side. How about the, the continued migration to a merge of marketing and transactional data and communication. So so along the transpromo spectrum, if you will, and 
choose to use that word or not. But how do you see us continue to evolve? Do you do you expect to see uh, more marketing rich transactional communications, or do you still see this this desire to keep that separate to some extent to make sure consumers understand there's an action you need to take. You need to pay this bill, not see all the marketing material and get distracted. The answer on that is I think it depends. Okay. And for instance, in the retail marketplace, the incorporation of marketing messaging with my retail statement, if it's my bill from Macy's is fairly heavy these days. Um, you know, I get my coupons that way and everything else in that, in that statement that they send. From a financial services perspective or an insurance perspective, more utilization of cross-selling. And so um, that's become, I think, much, much more active. If they've got, you know, an auto policy, they want to sell me a home insurance policy if I'm not buying it from that person. And they'll give me an offer that encourages me to get that policy at a reduced rate. So I think we're seeing more and more of that in terms of taking advantage of the white space on those documents. Um, On the utility side of the marketplace, um, I was working with a a large uh, utility company on the West Coast, and they're really, you know, using that white space to communicate not necessarily marketing messages, but all of their customer service data. And they're simplifying that customer service process with it. So I think we're seeing a blend of all of those kinds of things in today's marketplace where that white space that real estate on that statement is is increasing in value. Absolutely. And is there any additional specific advice that you'd have for our listeners based on your your coverage of this market? I, you know, again, the big things are understand your customer's channel of choice. Make sure the messaging is personal. And if you can't do it right, find somebody who can do it for you. Excellent. Well, Barb, it's always great to talk to you. Thank you for joining. Well, thanks, Matt, for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm Matt Swain, and you've been listening to the Reimagining Communications podcast. To learn more about Broadridge, our insights, and our innovations, visit broadridge.com or find us on Twitter and LinkedIn. LinkedIn.